0: It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. Change your attitude, change your life. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman.
1: Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life brings you interviews with some of the most inspirational and influential people in the world. It's our goal to educate and empower you so you can live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. We have another great show for you today. Nearly 6 million Americans have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Diabetes and prediabetes are rapidly on the rise. According to today's guest, Dr. Stephen Masley, while most people understand the effect that elevated blood sugar has on their cardiovascular health, few understand that insulin resistance is also damaging to the brain. Dr. Masley joins us today to discuss the link between insulin resistance and brain function and to offer a program that can reverse and stop cognitive decline before it's too late. Dr. Masley is a physician, nutritionist, author, and the creator of public television's 30 Days to a Younger Heart. He is the author of The Better Brain Solution, How to Start Now at Any Age to Reverse and Prevent Insulin Resistance of the Brain, Sharpen Cognitive Function, and Avoid Memory Loss. Welcome, Dr. Masley. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: Hi Joan, I'm really delighted to be with you today.
1: Dr. Masley, you've spent more than 20 years treating patients for heart conditions and now you're teaching us about the brain. How are the heart and the brain linked? (laughs)
2: Well, they're intimately linked, and in our clinic we look at over 100 markers of aging. We assess our people growing artery plaque, their cholesterol, their blood pressure, but we also look at brain performance. We look at brain speed and memory, and we compare that with lifestyle, like the food they eat, their nutrients they ingest, their fitness, their stress management, and their toxin exposure. And we've been able to publish on over a data from a 1,000 patients showing what choices we make impact our brain function. and, um, actually cardiovascular health is one of the strongest predictors if you're growing plaque in your arteries sadly your brain is shrinking at the same time and the number one cause for both of those as you just said is blood sugar and insulin resistance so if we could stop that I mean we have the potential to get rid of at least 90% of heart disease and probably anywhere from 60 to 90% of memory loss so doctor insulin
1: resistance is the key what
2: is it well insulin's the hormone that tells your cells to store energy so when someone needs it's refined carbs in particular, like bread or potatoes or sugar, their blood sugar levels surge up, their insulin rises to push that energy into the cell, but eventually the cells are full. I mean, if we keep eating those foods with the sad standard American diet, we fill up our cells and become insulin resistant to the insulin's message. The irony is when our brain cells become insulin resistant, they shut down. They're no longer functional, they stop using glucose as energy, even though blood sugar levels are high so people have brain fog confusion they're more forgetful they forget why they walked into a room or somebody's name and you know if that is not just a daily choice but an ongoing lifestyle they have ongoing brain function their cells start to die and over time their brain literally shrinks so insulin resistance decreases brain performance and it's the number one cause for Alzheimer's disease and brain shrinkage.
1: Is what we eat the main cause of insulin resistance or are there other factors?
2: Well, there's at least five factors. I always think of food as, I'm glad you said that because I think of food as really number one. You know, it's mm-hmm. the most powerful thing we can easily modify and change. And it has a huge impact on insulin resistance. But our nutrients, our fitness how we manage our stress, and some toxins we can be exposed to, all of those impact insulin resistance. And those are really the five steps for the Better Brain Solution.
1: Dr. What does the science say about the connection between insulin resistance and brain function?
2: Well, the science has become pretty solid that we now know those people with insulin resistance are much more likely to get Alzheimer's. They have decreased brain performance, but the good news is it's really reversible. This is something we can change very quickly with simple lifestyle choices, choosing the right foods, avoiding foods that have a high sugar load like flour and sugar, Um, adding activity. It's actually quite easy to get rid of insulin resistance, bring blood sugar control back to normal and have Um, improved brain function. In fact, the patients in our clinic who've gone through our program, um, we've actually done randomized clinical trials, published the results, and we know our average patient is 25% sharper. It's almost as if someone gave them a faster computer that they can get their work done with.
1: So eating brain-boosting foods, getting fit, what are the other steps to your Better Brain Solution?
2: Well, there's some key nutrient deficiencies that can absolutely impact your brain, like vitamin D, B12, folates, magnesium. Um, more than half of people are deficient in these nutrients. It's super common. So we, I want to really show people in an easy way how can they avoid the most common nutrient deficiencies that impact brain function and help them make sure that they don't suffer from that needlessly when it's so easy to correct
1: we said that food is probably the number one cause of insulin resistance so let's focus on that for a moment what foods should we be eating that would improve our cognitive function? And what are the no-nos? What should we avoid at all costs?
2: Oh, well, let me start with the ones to add first, because that's easier to do, tell people what to add, especially if they like some of them. So one, I mean, so powerful, green leafy vegetables. You know, it doesn't sound that sexy, but somebody who eats a cup of green leafies a day, their brain is 11 years younger than someone who doesn't. 11 years is a lot. Right. So that's like broccoli, kale, um Brussels sprouts, um, Swiss chard, anything that's like green leafy. So it's, I mean, there's got to be something most people like they can have a cup a day. And doctor, um, very, I want inter-
1: to, I want to just interrupt yeah. for a moment. How should they be cooked? Is overcooking does that kill the nutrients?
2: um Yes, I mean if you cook them till they're soft and they've lost their color. I mean, like broccoli and kale, you want them still to be vibrant green when they're cooked. So yeah, they can be eaten raw or equally good. You can steam them. You can saute them like with olive oil. Um, just don't, I'm really glad you said that, mm-hmm. Joan. Just don't overcook them because that you can ruin them if you cook, you know, if you like boil them until they're mushy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would, that would ruin them. That's a very good point.
1: Okay, so in addition to green leafy veggies, what else should we be adding in?
2: Well, on the, any of the colorful vegetables, like beets, really have been shown to improve blood supply to the brain, especially the brain area that where we do cognitive function and processing and memory. Um, we also want berries for their pigments and cherries. Those blue, red, purple pigments are really protect our brain. Other pigments that are super helpful are like um, dark chocolate and cocoa and green tea, especially um, matcha green tea. I mean, it's super helpful. And even coffee, I mean, is actually very beneficial for your brain. Um, the pigments do have benefits, but we do want to keep it in coffee's got to be in moderation because... Too much is harmful, um, a little bit is better than none, and we're really looking at two, not more than three cups a day, preferably. So I mean, there's pigments that if we eat more of them, you improve your brain function and you decrease decline, but we also need fat for our brain. I think the, one of the coolest recent studies compared a low-fat diet with a Mediterranean-style diet. And whether they added more nuts or they added extra um, extra virgin olive oil, either way, when people added more smart fat, they had their brain cognitive function improved and they had less cognitive decline. And those people on a low-fat diet had accelerated cognitive decline. So I think from a brain perspective, we can finally put this to rest and say, yes, some fats are bad, but we need smart fats. We don't want to be following a low-fat diet.
1: Okay, doctor. So what are the no-no's? What should we be avoiding?
2: Well, sugar and flour. I mean, so if insulin resistance is the number one cause for brain dysfunction and memory loss, we want to stop feeding that. And the most important thing to do is to cut sugar and flour out of our diets. And when I say flour, I mean whether it's if you took three bowls, a bowl of sugar, a bowl of white flour and a bowl of whole wheat flour. Yes, the whole wheat has more nutrients, but the sugar response and the insulin resistance are exactly the same. When we take a grain and we grind it up into flour, it acts just like table sugar. So we really want to cut, unless it's your birthday or your child's birthday and you're having birthday cake, fine. But that's a special occasion, day in and day out. We need to get the flour out of our diet. We need to get the sugar out of our diet. And if we did that alone, that would have a huge benefit.
1: Doctor, what about wheat? There are some programs that say wheat is not healthy for the brain. What, what have you read about that?
2: Well, at least 20% of the U.S. population is gluten sensitive, and this is probably true. And, I mean, it's less than Europe. It might be 5 to 10% because they don't have as much GMO wheat as we do. We have a more allergenic form of wheat. So, but 20% is a lot, and that means an autoimmune disease that can cause brain injury, multiple sclerosis, um, inflammation of the brain, as well as gut problems. And so at least 20% should absolutely never touch it and totally cover it, cut it out, and there's testing for that. And I discussed that in detail in the Better Brain Solution book. But there's nothing redeeming about wheat. I mean, it's not like there's nutrients there we can't get elsewhere. And since most wheat is processed into flour, which acts like sugar, I mean, almost everybody would be better cutting down on wheat or cutting it out mostly. But 20% of people absolutely should have nothing to do with it.
1: Doctor, you said that it's important for us to manage stress. Why is meditation so beneficial for brain function?
2: Well, here's the thing. When we're, I mean, I think... This day and age is more stressful than ever before. Just our handheld devices keep us connected to people that we may not even know 24-7. I mean, it's a nonstop barrage. And if we're stressed out and we don't proactively manage it, our cortisol levels go up. And when cortisol is a hormone that goes up to help us handle like an emergency, like a burglar chasing us down the street or a lion chasing us on the safari, I mean, that's what cortisol's for to get us through that short minute process. But today, people are stressed out 24-7, day in and day out, and cortisol raises blood sugar. You lose muscle and bone mass, but it, it makes you grow more artery plaque. But the worst is it literally shrinks your brain. So people who are stressed out have high cortisol and the memory center of their brain, the hippocampus, is shrinking. So one of the most effective tools we could do proactively is meditation. And it doesn't take that long. Ten minutes minutes a day has been shown to really lower cortisol levels, help us be more focused, improve our blood pressure. It's really good for your brain so Ten minutes of meditation can have an amazing benefit um, long-term, and it's an essential part of the whole program.
1: The book is The Better Brain Solution, How to Start Now at Any Age to Reverse and Prevent Insulin Resistance of the Brain, Sharpen Cognitive Function, and Avoid Memory Loss by Dr. Stephen Masley. If you'd like more information, you can visit the website drmasley.com. That's D-R-M-A-S-L-E-Y, drmasley.com. Doctor, in about 30 seconds or less, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners
2: with? Don't wait. Humans procrastinate, and too often they wait till they have a symptom like memory loss. But by the time you have memory loss, your brain is already shrinking. Don't wait until your brain shrinks. Take actions today so you can improve your brain function, improve your quality of life, feel better, feel fantastic, and prevent memory loss. Dr.
1: Masley, thank you so much for being here with us and for sharing ways that we can improve brain function while preventing memory loss and heart disease. Your strategies can help transform healthcare to a more preventative and less reactionary approach, so thank you for sharing with us.
2: Oh, thank you very much for inviting me.
1: This is Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to primohealthsolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best.
1: Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life has a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life 24-7, Visit CYACYL.com
4: and be sure to tell your friends. There's much talk about gut health these days. Your gut microbiome, healing your gut, or your gut as your second brain. What exactly is your gut and what is it responsible for? Hi there. My name is Jackie Klein, owner of Jackie Klein Nutrition. The gut is part of the gastrointestinal tract a complex system responsible for digesting food, absorbing nutrients from the foods we eat, and the elimination of waste and toxins. A healthy gut means good bacteria outweighs the bad bacteria or bad bugs. Eating foods rich in beneficial bacteria such as yogurt or fermented foods like sauerkraut and miso help support beneficial bacteria needed to maintain gut health. However, many people are infested with bad bacteria along with possibility of yeast overgrowth and parasites due to poor diet and lifestyle choices. Diets high in sugar and refined carbs, lack of fibrous foods, Interrupted sleep patterns and high stress levels all contribute to poor gut health. Symptoms may include bloating and gas, constipation, diarrhea, excessive fatigue, or even brain fog and memory loss. But the good news is making proper diet and lifestyle changes can make a huge impact on how you feel. Once you start supporting your body with the nourishment it needs, your gut will heal and those nasty, annoying symptoms can disappear. First, focus on increasing your water intake and be consistent. Second, remove all fast food and junk food and replace with whole, unprocessed foods, including green leafy vegetables. Vegetables. And lastly, supplement appropriately with a good multiple-strain probiotic. This will support the reduction of inflammation, aid in bowel regularity, and support your overall immune health. If you are interested in more information on supporting your gut health, please visit my website, JackieClineNutrition.com.
3: Hi, I'm Laura Brandeo, Chief Operating Officer at American Financial Resources, and this is Home Sense. Every month, a listener will ask a mortgage, loan, or home financing question. Then I'll share an answer that makes the most sense for you and your bank account. This month, Peter from Brooklyn asks What is a broker, and how do you find the right one? Excellent question, Peter, as you are likely to encounter two types of brokers when buying a house. First is a real estate broker who is a licensed real estate professional. They will help you in your search for the right property. Ideally, they know intimately the community where you are looking to move. They can recommend schools, doctors, restaurants, landscapers, all the contacts that make your transition into a new area comfortable and seamless. Once you have the right house, a mortgage broker can assess your ability to obtain financing and help you find the best mortgage rates available, and simultaneously the right bank or lender to put you into the most appropriate loan program. A good broker partner will walk you through the entire process and help you make those important decisions. Buying a house can be intimidating, but with the right partners at your side, it can also be one of the most memorable experiences of your life. For more information like this, visit afrwholesale.com forward slash blog.
1: Would you like to infuse more fun and excitement in your life? Hi, my name is Sheila Robinson Kiss. I'm a health and wellness practitioner and transformational retreat leader. I help men and women realign their lives and thought process in the backdrop of gorgeous places. In the words of my late grandfather, if you're bored, get busy and stop being boring. Twice a month, jump online or grab a newspaper and scout out something new and adventurous to do. There are hidden worlds available for you to enjoy. Get busy discovering them all. Are you interested in more advice about ways to realign and transform your life? Visit me at ilovehowifeelnow.com. life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our coach on call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Amy Collins, a Mindful Living Instructor and founder of Create Clarity, located in Franklin Lakes, New Jersey. Amy offers classes to help individuals clarify who they are, reconnect with their genuine values, reawaken their intuition, and make a transformational shift to live a more vibrant life. She's here today to discuss Mindfully Choosing Grace. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for joining us. It's always good to be with you, Joan. Amy, today we're talking about mindfully choosing grace. What does that mean to mindfully choose grace? Well, let's think of
5: it this way. Grace is defined as a pleasing or attractive quality. The synonyms for grace could be ease or kindness or with a sense of mercy. So when we're in a situation, Joan, that could potentially push our buttons, we need to be aware of the choice we have in how we respond. And once we learn to be aware of that choice moment, then we can very consciously choose to respond gracefully. And believe me, this doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. It takes practice and discipline. What do you believe happens when we choose grace? When we choose grace, we empower ourselves to either walk away from negativity or learn how to separate ourselves from someone who's trying to pull us down or have us react in an angry or negative way. So when we become aware of who we are and how we want to engage with people, we can learn to have a sense of ease. Like for example, I was in the parking lot a couple months ago outside the grocery store and I was speaking with another mother. and. I noticed a stranger putting a note on my windshield and when I asked her if she had a question or if I could help her because that was my car, she went right at me. I parked incorrectly. I did not pull my car all the way through. Therefore, as a result, she couldn't park in her spot correctly. Joan, she was angry Mm -hmm. and she really wanted me to take the bait and just react angrily back. She wanted to fight and very genuinely, I responded by acknowledging. She was right. I looked at how I parked and I said, you know, miss, you're right. I haven't pulled all the way through into my spot. Mm -hmm. My back wheels are hanging over into your spot and I'm sorry. And she just kind of looked at me like, that's it? That's (laughs) it? Right? (laughs) Right, And she walked away, Joan, almost deflated. Like I, I didn't get the woman angry, but instead I really responded genuinely and the grace-filled response empowered me to not be adversely affected by the stranger's anger, anger and hopefully my grace-filled response even helped her to mellow out a little bit that morning we can be a calming energy for all of those around us and let's face it in our ever crazy non-stop world today we need more calming energy
1: amy thank you so much for being here with us today if you would like to learn more about amy and her work you can visit her website createclarity.net we'll be right back
6: if you're thinking about selling your home and buying a new one one of the first thoughts that might come to mind is what if i list my home and it sells quickly then where will i live hi my name is danielle grosso a real estate agent from Experience Real Estate with Keller Williams Realty, and that's one of the most common questions I receive when consulting a future seller about listing their home. The good news is that there are many options for you, some of which I will explain today. In the event that you don't find and close on your new home that you are purchasing before you sell the current home that you're living in, you can consider a short-term rental of possibly four to six months, since many apartment complexes do offer that, A more common option that we're seeing today is temporary housing buildings, which are a mix between a hotel and an apartment complex and are convenient, enjoyable, and even affordable. You can move in with a son or daughter or brother or sister Or maybe rent a family member or friend's extra home, which I see many people do. And lastly, you could consider accepting an offer from a buyer that understands and is okay with a home purchase contingency, meaning you can't move forward with this transaction or close on your home until you are under contract with the home that you are purchasing. If you have any further questions about this or real estate in general, please feel free to contact me anytime at Danielle at Danielle-Grosso.com.
7: Disability insurance continues to be one of the most overlooked coverage options for many people. You insure your house, your car, your assets, but it's easy to forget what got you those things, your ability to earn an income. Hi, I'm Ed Gaelic, a life and health insurance broker and founder of PSI Consultants located in Glen Rock, New Jersey. We have specialized in personal insurance and company-sponsored health benefits since 1985. I want to share a story with you about John and Jane Doe. While visiting their snowbird parents in Florida, Jane had some abdominal pain and noticed that her stomach was a bit bloated. Shortly after returning home, Jane had her annual woman's exam. She mentions the discomfort she experienced to her doctor and was assured that everything was fine. After several more days, of not feeling normal, Jane gets a second opinion. Jane was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and immediately scheduled for extensive surgery. After recovering for about a month or so, it was time to make a plan for chemo treatment. Six cycles with three parts each. That's 18 more weeks without a paycheck. How will bills get paid? Will John's salary be enough? Will their savings account be drained? John's sister is in the insurance business, so he and Jane were well aware of the importance of being covered for any unforeseen circumstances. Their strategy was comprehensive and included protecting their income with personal disability policies. Proactive planning and wise insurance choices allowed John and Jane to concentrate on Jane's recovery and not worry about finances. The whole ordeal consumed six months of their lives, but John and Jane were prepared you? To contact us and learn more, please visit our website, psi-consultants.com.
0: Hi, my name is Richard Perro. I am a transformational life coach, speaker, and author. How many of us get upset when people refer to us as fools? The term fool has such a negative connotation in our society. It can sometimes mean that we are gullible or even worse, stupid. But a fool is far more than what we believe. A fool, as directed by the mystics, is a person who takes a leap of faith, who dares to do things that have never been done before, even when society deems the act to be reckless or impossible. Some great fools, our founding fathers, broke away from the great British empire and fought a war for independence and won. Another fool dreamed it may be possible to transmit a person's voice through an electrical wire enabling people to communicate distances that were unimaginable in real time. You see, when our ego fear is pushed aside by our passions, we are unstoppable. Unfortunately, some have forgotten the lessons of these great fools. We don't want a dream. We want a sure thing right now. What would people think if I actually tried something and failed? Well I'm here to tell you, we need more fools and fewer followers. We are extraordinary beings blessed with extraordinary talents and desires. It's a shame to ride the coattails of others while never exploring our own passions. If you ask me, I'd rather foolishly pursue my own dreams than be a shadow in someone else's. If you would like to learn more about blissful living, please contact me at richardpero.com.
1: It's time for To Your Health. Joining me today is Dr. David Hanscom, an orthopedic spine surgeon and author of the book, Back in Control, A Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain. Welcome, Dr. Hanscom. Thanks for joining us.
8: Yeah, thanks for having me on the show.
1: So, doctor, you're a spine surgeon, but you say that there are more unnecessary back surgeries being performed today than ever before, and that surgery is not always the answer. So, why do you believe that to be true?
8: Well, first of all, the data clearly shows that disc degeneration is not a cause of back pain. There's been multiple studies showing that. And then the success rate of a spine fusion for back pain based on disc degeneration is only about 22 to 24%. And there's actually about a 40% chance of making people worse. There's actually not one paper that shows that back surgery is really effective for back pain compared to a structured non operative care program. So I think in the big picture, there's probably about 70% of spine surgeries should never be performed.
1: And that's actually a pretty alarming statistic because just about everyone that I know that has a disc issue has undergone back surgery. So if it's not surgery, then what do you recommend?
8: Well, the recent neuroscience is fascinating over the last 10 years So when I was in medical school, we did not know the brain could change the way it does. And you've heard the concept called neuroplasticity where the brain can change dramatically at any age. We now know with these new research MRI scans that the brain memorizes the pain pathways in about six to 12 months. They actually switch from the pain center to the emotional center. And once those pathways are embedded in your nervous system, you cannot get rid of them. Those are permanent pathways. It's like riding a bicycle. So we're doing a procedure for a neurological problem and it cannot work. And And guess what, it doesn't
1: work. Tell us about your prehab program, which is rehab prior to surgery. How does that work and and how does it benefit your patients?
8: There's hundreds of research papers over the last 40 years that show that sleep, anxiety, depression, catastrophizing, fear avoidance, all are negative factors for surgical outcomes. A recent paper shows that only 10% of surgeons are actually assessing those variables. So I decided just to take the data that exists and get people's medication stabilized, calm them down, get them sleeping. And what's happened, which has been A good problem is that my patients have canceled the surgery because their pain went away even in the presence of a significant surgical lesion.
1: Dr. Hanscom, thank you so much for being here. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Hanscom and his work, you can visit backincontrol.com. And once again, doctor, thank you so much.
8: Yeah, thank you very much.
0: At highway speeds, the average text takes your eyes off the road for about five seconds. That's enough time to travel the length of a football field stoprex.org, stop Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council
1: Thank you for joining us I hope you found the show informative At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life we believe that knowledge is power Take what you've learned, apply it and live your best life now Remember that the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. While on the site, listen to Pastures On Demand, read our digital magazine, take part in the book club, check out our team, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.